I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by MeBank, the bank built and supported by industry super funds. Ever wondered about getting a better deal on your home loan? Well, it might be time to get in touch with MeBank. Whatever your investment strategy you'll find a loan that's right for you with competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So stop wondering and start saving. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now here's the show. And I stumbled across this whole philosophy of cash flow investing you know if you could turn your properties into cash flow properties then you're more likely to be able to hold them and that was where the where it really shifted for me this is property investry where we talk to successful property investors find out more about their stories mindset and strategy I'm Tyron Shump and in this episode, we're chatting to Peak Property Group's Michael Timmons about his property investing journey and his key philosophies about cash flow investing. As a speaker and coach for I Love Real Estate, you'll also find out from him how you can use the community to unlock the potential for your property portfolio. So to begin with, what does a day in the life of Michael Timmons look like? We basically specialise in boutique property developments in the southeastern suburbs of, of Melbourne and I specialise also in coaching and speaking other property investors on how they can get started in the property market as well. Most of my days are spent working on our own projects and then a lot of the rest of the day is spent on helping other students through coaching calls or travelling interstate, speaking at a different event. Speaking in seminars for I Love Real Estate, he says that there are many inspiring stories and opportunities available for those looking to kickstart their property investment portfolios. Look, I speak on a number of different topics, but all property-centric. So I'm affiliated with the I Love Real Estate community uh, that's headed up by Dimpner Boholt and, and very privileged to work with a number of different speakers on on uh, on a national stage, which is a great opportunity. And really, look, we're speaking to property investors all around the country on how they can really manufacture growth in their property portfolios, how they can add properties to their portfolios, and you know how they can really derive cash flow out of their properties too, to you know support them and and to really replace their income essentially. Educating yourself is one of the most significant aspects of becoming a property investor. Timmons explains there are many free workshops, educational programs, coaches and strategists inside the I Love Real Estate community which are great resources for insight into the property investing world. 
Dimpna is one of these people that goes around the country and runs a lot of free workshops as well. And, you know, she's giving away a lot of information at those those free one-day workshops, not just on property investing, but asset protection, tax structuring, you know, how you can, again, build cash flow into your portfolios to support your lifestyle, how you can go out and manufacture growth in properties too. So, you know, it's all wrapped up in a lot of education, but also a lot of mindset and personal development skills as well i guess which is which is pretty cool and then you know we've got a lot of members around the country as well that that come on they join the educational programs they can really see that there's a lot of benefit in getting educated in property before they actually go out and take the plunge and and make an investment and then there's also a lot of people that come and join the education because they may have already had a go at at investing themselves and, and made some mistakes along the way they might be stuck they might be in a position where they can't really move forward so they're looking for avenues and they're looking for different pathways that they can get themselves out of that position. So a lot of the time, you know, students will come on board. We're working with those students. We're coaching those students. We're helping them, you know, establish and extract out what are their goals? You know, what are they really trying to achieve by investing in property? And then we help them by building a bridge, basically. So we'll develop a plan for them. We'll be able to establish, you know, where they're at right now, where they're looking to get to and, and what they can do from a property perspective to, to really get there. And a lot of the time, you know, there's fixing stuff up in the portfolio. A lot of the time it's looking at restructuring. It's, you know, looking at refinancing. We've got a lot of great professionals as part of the community too. You know, we've got finance strategists, we've got accountants, we've got solicitors. So there's so many people that, that, they're, that are involved in this community that can help people ultimately get to where they need to be. As a property investor, the coach and keynote speaker describes himself as an active, creative person preferring to add value to his portfolio through things such as renovations and property development. Mate, I would say I'm I'm probably more on the creative side. Uh, I like to to see and and use property as, as a way in which I can, you know, come from a different angle. You know, I'm not sort of the traditional type of property investor that just goes out and buys properties to hold them in the portfolio. I think that as a... You know, as a strategy, I think that's probably a little bit flawed and probably a bit too slow for my liking. I'm, I'm more on the fast-tracking, you know, fast-tracking growth side of things. So we'll get in, we'll negotiate a creative type of deal. We'll tend to add value in ways that we can, you know, whether it be through renovation or subdivision, property development, building, construction. We do a lot of commercial stuff this, these days as well. So, you know, I always use the philosophy that you, you've got to be able to see what isn't there and then bring it into existence. And if you can do that, effectively, you're going out there and you're adding your own value to the marketplace, which in turn, you'll normally profit out of if you're, if you're diligent enough. So, yeah, I'd say I'm probably more on the creative side, probably prepared to take a little bit more risk and, and be a little bit more courageous uh, than just the sort of buy and hold strategy. But yeah, I mean, it keeps things interesting. Having had some personal setbacks in his life, Timmons grew up with a solid foundation and frame of mind which enabled him to grow as a person. In turn, his hardships have paved the way towards some amazing opportunities and to embark on his property investment journey. Yeah, so born and bred in Melbourne. Um, Couldn't consider myself ever leaving, I don't think. I love it too much. (laughs) Love the culture in Melbourne. But, uh, you know, look, if I cast my mind back, uh, you know, to where my career i guess sort of started off i'm 15 years old and i started my first business called mixed tanks and i effectively started to put together these fish tanks and i'd go around to local businesses in the area and i'd 
I convinced them that it was a good idea to have these fish tanks in their wait, waiting rooms and their foyers, you know, to keep their customers entertained. So, you know, me and my dad would build these fish tanks. I'd go and put them in these in these businesses, and then they'd pay me twenty five dollars a week to rent a fish tank, and I'd go and clean it every couple of weeks. And it turned out to be a great great little business, you know. And um, at the time, I was doing a little bit of football umpiring as well in the the AFL, the Australian Football League. And making pretty good money, and it was all going pretty well. And a couple of years later on, I was sort of put in a position where my life kind of changed. I was—I uh, still remember it very clearly. Actually, it was my parents' twentieth twentieth wedding anniversary, and uh, they'd been out that morning, hot air ballooning, and having a nice having a nice champagne breakfast and all of that. And they'd come home, and Dad had gone out that day to sort of run a few errands with the business and that kind of thing, and then. Uh, later that later that day, I was sitting on the couch. It was about five o'clock in the afternoon, and I was there with my two younger sisters. And Mum sort of walked in the back door, and she's got this confused look on her face. And she says, "You know, I've got the police here, and they're telling me that that Dad's gone." I said, "Got up off the couch and looked at her. What do you mean? What are you talking about?" So I ran outside and approached this policeman. I said, "Mate, you know what is this? You know, some kind of prank? Is it a joke? What, what do you, what's going on?" And he sat me down and he said, "Mate." I'm, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but uh, your old man's about a minute up the road and he's passed away. You know, and in that moment, everything really shifted for me. Everything really changed. I was kind of presented with a with a choice about who I was going to be from, from there on in. And uh, I decided to, to sort of step up and, uh, you know, become a leader in, in my own life and a leader in my family's life and, and, you know, those around me as well. And I guess that's where it all really sort of started to, to change and, um, from there, I landed a, a dream job working for the Hawthorne Footy Club a couple of weeks later, and I was a big Hawks fan, so it was uh, came at a great time. You know, I was very much looking for mentorship. I was looking for guidance, and I was put in an environment where I had access to some of the best possible people, particularly in the state. You know, guys like the founder of Flight Centre, Jeff Harris, and, you know, the CEO of L'Oreal, Mark Tucker, and Jeff Kennett. You know, I used to sit next to Jeff Kennett at a finance committee meeting every every month, not to mention, you know, the staff and the players and CEO and that kind of thing too. So, you know, I'd constantly be going to these people asking them, you know, how can I get ahead financially? How can I add value to my family and to my life? You know, and they'd sort of send me off. They'd say, you need to learn about the stock market. You need to go and invest in shares. So I'd go off and I'd invest in some shares and I'd make a bit of money and it was going okay. And I'd be like, you know, it's still not enough. I still need to, you know, do more. So I'd go back to my, what else can I do? You know, where else can I make some more money? Like we need to learn about property, you know? and that's where I sort of looked at. It and I said, okay, well, where do I go to learn about property? And that's when my mum and I we actually started to go along to some seminars. So we started to go to some seminars. We started to learn about you know the different types of styles of investing, and you know the different types of strategies you could do. And we started to go out there and we started to apply these strategies, and you know make a bit of money. We we're doing pretty well. You know, in some cases, we even lost a little bit of money. And I was still frustrated. I was still confused because I was like, you know, I'm reading books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and they're talking about how you can build wealth and you can accumulate mass portfolios and this kind of thing. And I couldn't see it. You know, I couldn't work out how they were doing it. And it actually wasn't until I went along to a particular event, an I Love Real Estate event with Dimpner. I met Dimpner. It was about four and a half years ago. And I stumbled across this whole philosophy of cash flow investing you know if you could turn your properties into cash flow properties then you're more likely to be able to hold them 
And that was where the where it really shifted for me because I was using all of the same strategies, you know, manufacturing growth, adding growth to, to properties, that kind of thing. But then I was also adding in cash flow strategies, which meant that we could hold them in our portfolio. And that's where our wealth really started to grow. So from there, you know, we started to really, you know, increase the level of, of deals that we were doing at any one time. You know, we started to grow into bigger areas of, of property investing. We started to do more commercial type deals. We started to do property developments. We started to, you know, build houses that were highly, highly yielding type houses as well. And, uh, and that's where it all sort of really started to take off. And then the last four years have just been, you know, an immense journey for me, particularly personally, personal growth. Um, you know, now I'm speaking, now I'm coaching other people, I'm really helping other people achieve their goals as well. It is clear that his parents have had an influence on his career and property investing journey. They were both keen business owners who also happened to be looking at investing in property before Tim and his father's untimely passing. My parents were always um, business owners. So, you know, I grew up seeing them create businesses, sell businesses. I mean, I was working in those businesses. I'd start, you know, earning pocket money, you know, from from earning businesses. Uh, sorry, from working in those businesses. Um, you know, so I guess there was always that sort of inspiration and empowerment from an early age to, to do more. Um, but, you know, they were also taking me to, um, you know, different types of events like their own business events. Like, I mean, I remember going to a Brad Sugar's action action business coaching event, you know, when I was like 15, 16 years old, right, to, to learn because they were getting coaching in their own businesses. So they were always very ambitious as, as people and I think that that probably rubbed off on me in a big way and has very much created the DNA that, that I've got. They did everything from packaging up chicken manure and selling it at service stations to, you know, creating a, a hedging business where they'd grow, you know, one metre long instant hedges that you could literally just dig a trench in your front garden and drop a, a hedge in and you've got that established look. Um, you know, they did, they did a, lot of, a lot of different things. Um, they were also sort of starting to embark on that journey of, of property investing just before Dad passed away. So I guess it took Mum a little while to get, get back up on her feet before she could kind of look at that again. Um, but I kind of stood in my dad's place, you know, when, when, um, when that all happened. And it's a pity because, you know, he, he came from a building background. He would have been great to have as part of our business today. You know, I look at what we're doing and he'd be thriving in this type of environment. But I guess there's still a lot of him that's, you know, part of what we do and, and, and part of what drives us as well, you know, to to kind of live, live on his legacy and, and, you know, very much of what was passed on to me. Getting started in property investments taught Timmons a great deal through first-hand experience. Moving from investing in natively geared properties to relocating a Melbourne granny flat to Bonnie Doon, his knowledge of property investing has expanded over time. We actually got started by getting a couple of negative geared properties and held those for about 12 months before we realised, hang on a minute, these aren't actually doing too much for our situation. You know, while they were still in good areas that you know were, were expected to get good capital growth, you know, they were still costing us like nine thousand ten thousand dollars each per year which was physically coming out in cash you know it might look great for tax purposes and in you know negative gearing purposes but at the end of the day it wasn't really getting us into the position that we knew we had to be in to change our lives 
So after the 12 months passed on, we ended up selling those. We ended up coming out about break even. And then we moved into a more manufactured growth strategy where we actually bought a farm. And we bought a farm because it was pretty much all that we knew. <laughs> we sort of grew up on a farm, or I grew up on a farm, and we owned a farm. And we knew and we could see where we could add value in those areas on, on this particular farm. So we did that. We ended up selling it about 18 months later and made a bit of money. And then went back and started doing more sort of small cosmetic renovations and, and even did a, a, you know, a tiny little project where I shifted a granny flat from you know Melbourne, one of the suburbs in Melbourne, all the way up to a holiday park in Bonnie Doon. Right, so I went and I went and met the owner of this this holiday park, and I said, "Man, I want to get some land. You know, is there any land that you can give me?" He said, "Well, most people in here they kind of hire and lease a site. You know, you've got 120 square meters, you pay three thousand dollars per year, and it's yours for the year." Right? I said, "Okay, well, that sounds pretty good." How would you feel if I was to bring up this old granny flat and I'll do a renovation to it and I'll make it look great and, you know, we'll either hold on to it or, or look at selling it at the end? He said, well, give us a bit of an idea in terms of what what you've got in mind. So I sent him through some photos. He was pretty happy. He said, yep, look, I'm okay with that. So I ended up paying about $11,000, got this granny flat on the back of a truck and took it all the way up to Bonnie Doon. You know, it, it was exciting, but it was pretty hard work. I mean, Traveling two and a half hours to get there every weekend just to do this renovation was was pretty tough, but uh, it was certainly worthwhile and, and very rewarding in the end. I mean, look, the whole deal I think cost us about fifty grand. We end up selling it for about eighty or eighty five thousand. Took a took a nice little profit, um, but it was more so the learning experiences that I took out of that. And you know, I managed that. I was managing the tradespeople. The builder came in. You know, building consultants, building surveyor, had to get the building permit, all of that kind of stuff. Energy ratings. So it taught me a lot in the process. And you know, I got to earn a bit of money. You know, by doing it, which uh, which also helped. But from then, you know, it really allowed us to start to scale and start to grow as investors. And that's where we moved on to, you know, doing bigger house relocations, you know, to, to regional areas at the time because that's all we could afford. And then eventually stepping up to do property developments. You know, now we've done, you know, I don't even know how many property developments that we've done. We've got seven or eight on the go at any one time in various different stages now. Um, you know, we're doing commercial developments where we're knocking over retail shops, build, rebuilding the shops and, you know, building micro apartments above. We're building apartments above. We do a lot in, in the way of rooming houses as well, so multiple income strategies. As, so, yeah, so I guess the, the, the experience is sort of very vast now where we've done pretty much uh, most of the strategies out there. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been been really good and, and you know, that first little deal and, and the first few deals to get us going, created a pretty good, pretty strong foundation. Coming up after the break, we'll discover what happens when Michael Timmons chooses cheaper labor and how it didn't work out the way he expected. I ended up engaging the wrong builder. You know, it came down to, to two guys. I'd, I'd managed the tendering process really well. And I chose the wrong guy based on price more than um, probably reputation and, you know, integrity. What is excited about today? The, the largest single thing that I'm excited about in property, in property investment, is crowdfunding for property development. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum, and you're listening to Property Investory.
This episode is brought to you by MeBank, a different kind of bank built and supported by industry super funds. You could be getting a better deal on your home loan by getting in touch with MeBank. They offer competitive rates and two loan types, one with a range of features including the ability to fix your rate and have multiple offset accounts and another that's nice and simple with no ongoing fees. Both loans provide the flexibility of interest only or principal and interest. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find a home loan that's right for you. Stop wondering and start saving by giving MeBank a call on 131563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Now back to the show. Are you looking at buying or investing in property? Unsure of where and what to buy? Many investors in the community have raised these questions frequently. That's why I've created a property sourcing service to help investors like yourself find investment opportunities at wholesale prices to add to your new or existing portfolio. I'm currently accepting expressions of interest. To apply, visit propertyinveststory.com.au. Now back to the show. As it is with many cases, investing in property hasn't always been a bed of roses for Timmins. His experience with the wrong builder has taught him to be cautious of who he hires and to always choose integrity and honesty over cheap labor. Our first large, probably like our first property development where we were building um, some townhouses and the deal, the deal had been going pretty well all the way through council, you know, getting permits and you know, getting all the working drawings and engineering done and everything like that. Where the deal started to, to really hurt was I, I ended up engaging the wrong builder. You know, it came down to, to two guys. I'd, I'd managed the tendering process really well. And I chose the wrong guy based on price more than um, probably reputation and, you know, integrity. And for me at the time, I mean, it was hard because I, I'd sort of done a lot of the checks, you know, I'd done a lot of the the main sort of things that I could think of. But probably the areas that I skipped over were, were talking to, you know, current clients and, and you know, investigating behind the scenes about what was going on with these current projects. So, you know, I just took I just took for granted that I'd spoken to people I'd worked with in the past and they were happy. You know, we'd seen some of the, the previous work and, and it looked quite good. The work quality workmanship was 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 good. Um, but that doesn't equate for much in terms of the current position that that builder might be going through. And, you know, when it comes to building, you know, builders rely on cash flow. Builders rely on oxygen coming into their business so that they can continually fund the next project. You know, they're always one stage payment behind. And this particular builder had got himself in a bit of a bind with cash flow and he was underquoting projects. He'd come in, probably underquoted this project that we were doing. And that was probably the reason in the end that I went with him because he just came in that little bit cheaper. But I still remember it very clearly. I, I walked onto site one day and he'd spent six months since we'd signed the building contract stuffing around, me having to chase him, me having to issue you know, notices on him, breach notices from the contract and all of that kind of thing. And I walked in on, on, on site one day and it was six months down the track and I had to meet him on there and he'd hardly done any work up until that point and I was so frustrated. But the night before, I'd got a call from one of his existing clients who was just giving me the heads up that he, he was in some severe trouble um, financially. 
So you can imagine how I'm feeling. Like I've got a bank loan for the construction of these townhouses. You know, we're pretty much getting towards the back end. I've got purchases that, you know, we're expecting to be moving in before Christmas and we're kind of at the end of November and we've hardly got out of the ground. So there's all this pressure on me to kind of, you know, create a good result out of this. And I've got this guy who's just dragging the ball and chain, um, you know, really sort of running the deal into the ground. And, And at the time, you know, I'm happy to admit, and probably ashamed that I was in that position that we were too far stretched, we were over leveraged, you know, our debt level was far too high for, you know, probably where our equity was. So it meant that, you know, really I was in a vulnerable position and it was all at the mercy of this guy. So, you know, I had to meet him on site that morning and I knew very well that, you know, it was going to get ugly from that point on because I was going to do everything in my power to try and get out of the contract. And, you know, in a period of time where you're going into Christmas, um, you know, that can be quite a challenging sort of thing because there's not much activity happening on site. You know, most people are expecting for payments to come through so that they can go, you know, on holidays and all of that kind of thing. And I ended up having to really stretch that out over, you know, sort of two or three months before he would actually let me out of the contract. And it didn't even get to the point where we mutually agreed. I had to take him to VCAT and it was only that I had a super, super red hot lawyer working on my side that, you know, just didn't like this guy, you know, because of his bullying strategies and his bullying tactics. And it was, it was a really horrible situation. And I remember just, I remember just in that moment, just remembering that I would never, ever be here again. You know, I would never, ever let someone pull the wool over my eyes and that I would just be so much more diligent in who we worked with and how we picked them and, you know, the, the background checks that we did on them. So, you know, touch wood, we haven't, we haven't been through anything like that ever, ever again. Um, and that we don't, but yeah, mate, it was um, it was very challenging. It was a, a tricky time, but I know as a person, and you know, as a business owner and as an investor, you know, that was my growth opportunity. You know, there were moments where I was literally weeping, you know, at night, going, "How am I going to get out of this? I've got the bank breathing down my neck." You know, they're struggling to, you know, see how I can come out of this alive. Fortunately for me, I went back to the previous builder who 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 boiled down to those last two and he came through. He really helped us out. You know, I think from him coming on site once we terminated the old building contract to finishing to practical completion was like two months. You know, this guy just smashed it. And, you know, young guy, like super hungry, super driven, doing heaps of stuff in the area. And it was just such a blessing to work with someone like that to see, you know, the vast differences between, you know, people in the industry. And I just remember thinking, like, you know, you've just got to have good people in your team. You've just got to be so um, cautious with who you work with, but just pick people that you enjoy working with, that have got integrity, that show honesty, that show discipline, um, you know, that are there to, to really help push you forward as well, not just the other way around. However... He will always remember the moment when everything fell into place, saying the cash flow strategies he learned at the beginning of his property investing journey made a profound impact on how he manages his portfolio. That that story I shared before where I was kind of at that event and I was introduced to these cash flow strategies, you know, when I look back in time, that's probably been the biggest thing that has made the biggest difference because it's allowed us to, to sort of hold properties. So, not only can we create that little bit of profit, you know, by adding strategy or by adding value, but now we get to continually, you know, add profit to the bottom line because the market, you know, is growing at the same rate. So, you know, we're getting the double-edged sword, capital growth 
and manufactured growth and cash flow. With many different options available to encourage wealth creation, Timmins is excited about the crowdfunding financing platform as a means to support investors who are struggling to get started in a troubled economy. The, the largest single thing that I'm excited about in property, in property investment, is crowdfunding for property development. And you know, the reason I say that is because there's you know so much energy and discussion and, and argument around property and housing affordability at the moment. You know, I look at the the median house price for Melbourne, and it's like eight hundred thirty thousand, eight hundred fifty thousand. It's like, how on earth can young people and and you know not just young people but older people as well get into the market if you know they're having to pay these large amounts for property? You know, if you think about that, if if you need to put up a twenty percent deposit for even a five hundred thousand dollar property, you're going to need the best part of a hundred thousand dollars. You're going to have stamp duty. You're going to have to pay your conveyance. You're going to have building and pest inspections. So, you know, you're in it for a hundred and thirty grand of your own money. Then you've got to pay the interest on a four hundred thousand dollar loan. You know, it's just unreasonable for people to, you know, save that much of a deposit if you're earning, you know, the average Australian wage, which you know, sixty five, seventy, seventy five thousand dollars a year. So I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, where else can people go to get returns to help build that deposit quicker? You know, is the bank giving it to them? No, the bank's not giving them a good interest rate. You know, can they go and get it from a managed fund? Yeah, they can get it from a managed fund. Um, but you know, is it is it likely that the managed fund always performs? Not always. You know, is the stock market you know a good place to go to invest your savings to really you know, accelerate your deposit? Can be, you know, in the right area, but it's certainly volatile. You know, you know, it fluctuates a lot. So I'm looking at this going, crowdfunding for property development. Like imagine if you could get in um, into a property development where, you know, the developer's already got the development approval. The developer's already got uh, the building, you know, approval in place. He's already got the building contract. And then you've got a valuation coming in for the end sale price or maybe even the end product's already been sold off the plan. If you could put in your money and get a half decent return and have it come back to you within the space of you know six months, eight months, I think that's a great way for someone to accelerate their their deposit. You know, for them to be able to go and get into a property themselves. So this is an area where we're starting to spend a lot more time and energy. You know, we're going to be launching a campaign in in July, which will be for exactly that. You know, a development that we've already got approved. You know, we've already mitigated the risk as much as possible. But if we can go out there and raise a small amount of money to do the build and then show people that this is an effective way for you to invest, you know, a portion of your savings or some of your savings or all of your savings, then, you know, that's going to be a great thing, I think, for the industry and for where financing is at as well. You know, financing is a very challenging, challenging beast at the moment. You know, we've got APRA leaning in, sort of, you know, put it, pushing down their weight on the banks. You know, the banks are inc- you know, increasing rates. The oxygen supply in, in the market being credit, you know, that's starting to, to be pulled out. So, you know, what does that mean for the overall market? You know, so I think it's going to turn into a case of well, having to go to other sources and other places to look for it. So, you know, there's very much a, a culture of the share economy with, you know, technology and technology meshing with traditional industry, you know, particularly property. And, you know, when you look at, when you look at you know, things like, um, Uber, when you look at Airbnb, I mean, Airbnb, booking, booking.com, stays.com, all of that stuff. I mean, these, this is the reason why I think it's the best time to be an investor in history right now because, 
you can be in, in, in control as much as you want. You can leverage off technology. You can create cash flow. You can get a good yield. It's just a terrific time to be in the market. So I think that's really, really cool. I, I think that that's going to be a, a big thing that's that's coming that we really haven't even scratched the surface on yet. There's a lot of education that needs to happen on this particular topic. Um, but, you know, we want to be there front and centre and um, and really leading the, the charge with it. And, and I think that there's going to be a, a great, uh, you know, great opportunity there for a lot of people to, to come on board. Inspired by this story and what Michael Timmons is excited about today, we'll keep the conversation going in a future episode on Property Investory Podcasts. We'll talk about how to apply Michael Timmons' strategy. So, I think for any investor that is looking to invest for you know, just growth or whether it be for manufactured growth or for cash flow is making sure that you're in the right location. Success habits for property investing? You know, I listen to podcasts all the time. And I'm constantly just filling my mind up with, with new, inf- new ideas, new information. And that's next time on a future episode of Property Investory. Also, are you looking at buying property in 2018? Would you like expert tips and advice on the best ways you can purchase property? Whether you're a new or experienced investor, learn from the experts by downloading the Property Investment Buying Handbook. It contains the best tips and advice from 37 of Australia's leading property experts. Simply visit propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to get your copy right now. Thanks for listening. If you love the show and you're ready to get serious about saving on your home loan, give MeBank a call. MeBank is the bank built by industry super funds, famous for their competitive rates and flexible home loan options. So, whatever your investment strategy, you'll find the loan that's right for you. Call MeBank on 131 563 or visit mebank.com.au. Terms and conditions apply. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.